When we lived down near Anvil, we listened to a very popular uh, AM radio station. In fact, up here you can catch glimpses of it. Sometimes you can't get it too well, depending upon where you're at. But this particular channel uh, station was uh, 5.80 a.m. Specifically, used to listen to the morning mayor and, and that show. Some of you, I'm sure, know what I'm talking about. But he had a tradition that uh, every April 1st, he would tell a story that seemed to be so true. But yet, later on in the program, he would say, April Fool's. One of the stories was such as this. You remember the, the Super Bowl game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals. Toward the end of that game, in fact, I think it was one of the last plays of the game, when a Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver caught a pass from, uh, and, and it was questionable as to whether he got his feet in bounds or not. They ran the replay a number of times. In fact, the, the zebra stayed underneath the curtain for such a long time before he came out and he said it was good. Of course, all the Pittsburgh Steelers fans gave a big amen. Can I have an amen from you all out there? That doesn't ever happen with the New York Giants. They take care of business at the very beginning, so it's no big deal. But anyway... The story went like this, that at that game, there was a conspiracy that the referees received a back pay of money to make sure that the Steelers would win. The phone lines lit up on that particular channel. And people, Steeler fans, were calling, saying, you don't know what you're talking, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, at the end, it was April Fool's. The passage that Pastor Isaac mentioned as he read for us, it, it highlights a foolishness that God doesn't want you to be fooled with. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn back to that passage. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. It begins by making the statement, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of of God. In that one verse, in that verse 18, you have the two types of individuals who are alive today. Those these words were penned many, many years ago. In fact, close to 2,000 years ago, these words were penned by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul as you might know from a little bit of church history, established the church at Corinth in the book of Acts. And he goes back there. In fact, he writes two letters, and some people believe he really wrote four. But only two made it into the canon for whatever reason. And he met interesting individuals. 
They were described as those who believed and those who did not. That's why he starts this verse by saying the preaching of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. Pastor Isaac and I, we, we make it a habit of keeping up on reading. We read books. Some of them are not as what you would think to be very deep theologically, which is fine. But it helps us to understand the mindset of what's going on in the world around us. We, we live in a monastery. We, we come to our office and we can shut the door and everything is fine. I've got a parakeet and six goldfish in my office and, and everything's cool in there. Tweety keeps me, she works on my last nerve once in a while. There's always a window I threaten to open and let her go, go. If you want out, go, just go. But she hasn't taken me up on that yet. And so we get, we get sheltered. We're, we're not like you. We're not out in the world every day. You rub shoulders with individuals that are cantankerous and, and, and you, know, you just don't like to be around them. And, and so when we read and then we come in contact with individuals, we at least like to give them an impression that we know what we're talking about. We, we like to at least have them look at us as being, quote, wise, what, whatever that word means. Yesterday, I was shopping for this shirt. Isn't this the coolest shirt you've ever seen, man? This is wild. And <laughs> you should see the green one I got, man. I tell you, uh, I'll wear that pretty soon, but... Uh, and, and my wife and my daughter, they were doing their thing too. They were, while they were shopping, I went over to look at gadgets. I love gadgets. And I just happened to, as I'm looking for gadgets, an individual asked me, sir, when anyone calls me sir, that makes me stand up. Usually it's, hey, you, or what are you doing there? They said, sir, uh, do you need help finding anything? And I said, no, I, I, I got everything right here. I said, I'm just... Wasting time as my, my wife is trying on things. And he said, oh, I know what you're talking about, brother. Yeah, patience. And I said, yeah. Patience is developed by one thing, I told him. By tribulation. Troubles. You know what he said to me? He said, yeah, but God will never give you something you can't handle. I was on the wavelength with that guy. We just started praising God. So tomorrow, we get to celebrate the day of the resurrection. And he said, amen, amen. So when you're out and about, I like for individuals to think that we can engage them. And in fact, if you know anything about the church at Corinth, there was a new church that was begun. And it was dead smack in the middle of two groups of people, Jews and Greeks or Gentiles. It says later on in the text that Pastor Isaac, as he read it, the Jews were always seeking a sign. Let us see something miraculous. In fact, you might remember even this past Friday, as the Jewish leaders came by the cross, they said to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, come down from there and we'll believe you. They were looking for a sign 
In the Greeks, it says, I'm looking for wisdom. Trying to come up with some reason as to what life is all about. I shared with the congregation just a couple of weeks ago that Stephen Hawkins, who spent most of his life, 50 years of his life, trying to prove there was no God. He came up with scientific formulas. He came up with mathematic equations. And yet, he was dying from a disease that he should have passed away from 48 years earlier. But for 50 years, as he suffered with ALS, God's grace was there for him. And all he had to do was believe the message of the cross. But the preaching of the cross to them who are perishing is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That, that word power there literally means dynamite. In the Greek, it's dunamis. We get our word dynamite. Paul references that again in Romans chapter 1 when he says that the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is loaded with power. And because of the resurrection, earlier or later on in this particular book, Paul makes mention of the resurrection when he quotes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 3 down to verse 7, when he says, The gospel by which we have been saved is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and was seen of many. In fact, 500 at one time. Those who are trying to figure this thing out mathematically or scientifically or philosophically, that gospel message is foolishness. Man's always been trying to figure out things on their own. They've always been trying to reach God or their God in their own way, in their own power, in their own strength. But the amazing thing of this passage, as Pastor Isaac read it for us, is that Jesus Christ is the power of God. It's him and him alone. The Jews, on the other hand, were, were looking for someone to come and free them religiously from the bondage of Rome. They wanted to have the kingdom on this earth, and they wanted to be established as God's favored, in which they were, God's favored nation. But they weren't willing to recognize Jesus Christ because he wasn't doing the thing. He wasn't doing the deal. He wasn't doing the sign. Oh, it's not that Jesus didn't live before them and do wonderful and magnificent things. Think of what Jesus Christ did 
on this, on this earth. He healed those who were sick. He walked into a group of people, an individual at a pool who couldn't get to the water to get healed, and Jesus walks right up to him and says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And everyone was amazed. Jesus took fish and a few loaves and fed thousands of people and had must-goes afterwards. For those of you that don't know what that term means, that means leftovers. And leftovers must go. Oh, you, you'll catch on. You'll, go, you'll be driving home and going, oh, wasn't that so funny? That was 12 baskets full of must-goes. And the people were amazed. The song that the choir sang, the very first miracle that Jesus did, he took plain water and turned it into the best tasting festival drink that the father of the groom or the bride could ever imagine. It was Jesus that calmed the storm. It was Jesus who walked in Jairus' house, a Roman centurion, walked into his house and raised up his child. You see, Jesus did signs. Jesus gave them opportunity to see who he was, but the one thing he did not do was free them from Rome. But that's not why Jesus came. You see, Jesus didn't come to free us from government control. He came to set us free from our sin. And in order to do that, he had to die upon the cross. That's why the preaching of the cross to them who are perishing is foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Later on in the passage... As, as the Apostle Paul continues to write for us, he says this, we preach Christ, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified, and that to the Jews is a stumbling block, and to the Greeks that's foolishness. But I love verse 24, but to those who are called, to those who are saved, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. In Jesus Christ, I, I must read for you a, a particular quote from an individual who, who wrote concerning the power of Jesus Christ. He says this, Christ, the power of God, no matter where we started as Jew or Gentile, wherever we believed, we are now gathered as the church because we believe that what was proclaimed to us is the gospel. We, learned, we have learned firsthand that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God. Think about what powerful things Christ has done. We were rebels, and now we are children of the living God. 
We were prisoners locked for eternity. And now, in Christ, we've been set free. We have been dead in our sins. And yet, in Jesus Christ, we've been made alive into a race that is bound for glory. We were homeless orphans no, and, and with nowhere in the world to call home, and Christ brought us into the arms of the Heavenly Father forever. That is the power of Christ. I, I don't know where you are this morning with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Fortunately and unfortunately, we're here this morning. The unfortunate part of it is, is that sometimes people come to church one day a week, which happens to either be Christmas Day or Sunrise Day. In fact, one, one individual came and, and, to a church, and, and, and it was this one time he came to church, and he comes up to the pastor afterwards, and he said, Pastor, you preached that same message last year. That's because we have no other message to preach. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, by faith and in believing in that and trusting in that as a truth, we have everlasting life. There is no other message. I can't tell you what purple shirt to buy. I can't tell you what yellow tie to buy. None of that's going to get you into heaven. I got two artificial hips. When I go, they're staying here. Can I get an amen? They're staying here. Because they don't belong in heaven. I'm going to be brand new. You think I look good now? <laughs> Lord have mercy. I can't wait. And that's the message of the gospel. That we don't have to wait. Eternal life don't begin there. It begins here. It's right here. It's the peace that passes all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that we have with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in everything we can give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And it's all because of the preaching of the gospel of the cross. One question I have for all of you is, do you know that you have eternal life? I'm here to tell you that this morning you can. You can write it down. You can nail it to your wall. Because once an individual just by simple faith says, Jesus, I don't know how all this thing works. But this one thing I do know, I'm lost. You see, individuals who are trying to figure this out by wisdom don't realize they're lost. Do you know that the only way you can save an individual who's drowning is if he understands he's drowning? Until that time, he will fight you 
He will kick you. He will bite you. He will press you down. But until he realizes that you're his only hope, then he will let you save his life. That's what Jesus Christ has done. We can't figure this out. There's not wisdom. It's not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of God. It's beyond our comprehension that God would even send forth his son. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. The issue is, will you? Is the preaching of the cross to you foolish? Or it is the powerful? That's the question that you must deal with today. Can we bow our heads in closing prayer? Father, I don't know where all of these individuals stand with you. And they don't know about me either. All I can tell them, Lord, is what I know. And your word says that he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God has not life. Lord, I thank you that through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus willingly shedding his blood to wash our sins as far as the east is from the west is the same power that has washed thousands of individuals from the very first time they heard the gospel. Lord, I don't know if there may be someone here today that who would by simple faith just say, Pastor Doug, would you pray for me? I, I, I don't know. I don't understand this whole thing about being saved. I'm just asking, Pastor Doug, will you pray for me? Because I would like to know that I can be forgiven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone here this morning say, Pastor Doug, just by raising your hand, say, Pastor Doug, will you pray for me? Because I'd like to know what it is to be forgiven. Anybody here this morning with that? If not, how about you, believer person? Remember, the message of the cross to them who are being saved is the power of God. Maybe, just maybe, you've turned that power off a long time ago. And you've begun to follow your own ways. What's wonderful about the cross of Christ is you can always come home. Have you journeyed away from the cross? Have you wanted to do your own thing? And maybe today you're saying, Pastor Doug, will you pray for me? Because I've walked away from Jesus and I want to know what it is to come back. And feel touched and refreshed. Is there anyone here this morning, just by slipping your hand up, saying, Pastor Doug, pray for me? Father, the invitation is over, but your word never stops. I pray, God, that you would work in the hearts of all that are here. We will rejoice. <laughs> 
There can be no greater way to, than to start a month off by saying, our Savior is risen. He's risen indeed. What a joy. What a power that is. What an assurance that is to know that we have life eternal because our Savior lives. And so God, you touch hearts. You direct in lives. And maybe, just maybe, someone here will have a question. That either myself or Pastor Isaac or the individual they came with can talk to them about who you are. Thank you, Father, for this morning. A time of rejoicing, a time of celebrating. And as we close off the service with a song, oh God, may we rejoice with a song on our lips and a hymn in our hearts as we leave today renewed and strengthened to know that our Savior lives. And we'll praise you and thank you in your name. Amen.